Welcome back to the Lighthouse Educator Development Podcast. Uh, this is episode, I believe, 148. I am Kyle Krieger, and I'm here this morning with my guy, Wilkie Law. Will, what's going on? Good morning, good morning, good morning. Enjoying this beautiful morning. Yeah, yeah. I'm enjoying this beautiful morning, too. We were talking a little bit beforehand. It's The temperature has changed 70 degrees from Thursday to today. Um, so that's been crazy, but we are... We are super thrilled that our good friend Eric Crouch gave us a connection to Brandy Brown from Hand to Mind. Brandy, how are you? I'm good. I'm enjoying the warm up. We need this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were just talking a little bit down by where you are and up where I am. The kids only had one day of school this week, which was that was some of the strangest weather I've ever seen. I can't recall it being in the negative fifties below wind chill, but never. Never. Wow. Uh, and hopefully not anytime soon again. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then I was, I was reading the news and they said that uh, Punk's Tawny Phil's, uh, wh- whichever one it was that he saw his shadow. Saw his shadow. So we're going to have an early spring, but then mm-hmm. the weather people were like, don't be so, don't be so sure. But I mean, I don't know about you, but like, I'm still thinking back to this last spring when it was the middle of April and we got like a foot of snow and I just mm-hmm. didn't know what to do with myself. Yeah. I think Phil, he, he just owed us that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was trying to help everybody out. Like, Hey, I know it's been cold, so no more. Cause even here they were like, Oh, he saw his shadow. It won't, it'll be 67 degrees. Well, I mean, that's the norm here. I mean, we're right. right. And it got up to 75 yesterday. So, I mean, can't really complain. <laughs> I went I I'm only a little jealous. <laughs> yeah. You know, I went. It was windy, though. It was windy. So you still needed a jacket. Oh, man. You don't That's need a jacket. Tough. Tough. <laughs> I, I would have been out in shorts and a tank top. I, it would not have mattered. Like, I went, yeah. I went to the airport yesterday to pick up my, my sister and my brother-in-law, who happened to go to Hawaii during the coldest week of the year. They were so lucky. And I was just like, I, I was like, I could have gone out in shorts and a t-shirt. It, I, it, it felt so warm comparatively, but um, you know, we're, we're getting off track of what we're doing. So Brandy, if you don't mind, just could you give us a little bit of your background in education and, and the work that you do with hand to mind. Sure. So I've worked in education a little bit over 10 years um, and most recently with hand to mind. Um, so what Hand to Mind, Hand to Mind has been around for over 50 years, but it's really all about creating a learning experience through hands-on learning coupled with um, really great content. So what I've been doing with Hand to Mind from a marketing perspective is just trying to get the word out about who Hand to Mind is and making sure we get those resources in as many teachers' hands as possible so that they can make that impact in the classroom with their students. Mm-hmm. So in your in in your travels through the education space we were talking like i said we were talking a little bit about our friend eric crouch and how he mm-hmm. i'm going to take a chance he's going to listen to this because i'm going to tag him and just say that he's he's what we call a little bit long-winded but, yeah he better listen to this if anyone's yeah. listening it better be eric <laughs> but um you know th- that relationship means the world to us and and also you know the relationships like that have had such an impact on us so over the course of your career in education, has there been a person who has really added value to you, whether it's in, in your profession or, or as a person? Oh, gosh. That's a, there's so many people. 
Um, I think it's interesting because the education space, while it feels so big, it's so small. So you just see people, it kind of comes full circle pretty constantly where um, I'm still reaching out to, you know, my first boss whenever I worked at Follett. Um, he's in the education space, so I'm constantly checking in with him, uh, Michael Campbell. Um, I check in with um, one of my first bosses at Hand to Mind, Jenny Christofferson. She's still in the education space. so. From a business side of things, it's kind of this small world and everybody's connected and it, it feels like everybody's trying to push education forward from the business side. And then from the educator side, same thing. Like my career started out working with librarians. Um, they were like the first ones that were embracing social media. They were on those listservs. They were on Twitter. Um, so, and I just love still seeing all of them on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and everything that they're doing. Um, I, I can't even call out one person. It's like there's been so many people and it's such a small world and we're so connected and you just have to work together to continue to build each other up. So, so kind of along that relationship piece, do you, I mean, what, it, it seems pretty obvious, but what is the importance of really, like you said, building those relationships, whether it's people that are in your industry or people in schools mm -hmm. or and, and how do you go about really trying to build those powerful relationships with people? I think for me, what I've learned over the years is just knowing that you have value and you know that you can um, find a way to work together usually. So um, like, for example, with Eric, I haven't even really, I, I think I met him in passing in person, but really everything's been virtual. I think I met him at a teach your heart out for like one second or, or saw him passing by. And so now I can't wait to actually see him in person. I think I'll see him next month. Um, I mean, gosh, all the hugs that are going to be happening. But um, I think that's this beautiful piece of being connected both in person and virtually and, and developing these amazing relationships. That's huge. But I think knowing that there's a win-win um, in a lot of these relationships. So being able to find, you know, how can I help you? What are you trying to do? What are you trying to achieve? And then, hey, here's what I'm trying to achieve. There's got to be ways that we can work together. So I just try to keep that at the forefront um, of everything that we do as we partner with different educators and with different organizations just to kind of figure out how can I help you and I'm sure you can help me and let's do this together. Mm. So, so on the point of that, you know, kind of having that win-win mentality from your perspective kind of in education, but you know, out, outside of it a little bit, mm -hmm. do you find that that's a common thing or is that something you really have to strive to? Cause I, you know, just for me and I, I'm not trying to cast education in a negative light, but there is a lot of competition and there's competition for funds and, you know, competition and mm -hmm. testing scores and getting ratings and things like that. So, so how do you, you know, how do you emphasize that? And, and is that something you see a lot around education? I don't know if I see it a lot. I think the people who are successful naturally get it and they don't even really realize that that's what they're doing, if that makes sense. Um, so I think one of those options can be to think about that as you're working with different people because it keeps that top of mind, I guess. Um, so I would say I, I don't see a lot of people doing it um, unless it's like 
just inherent in them, if that makes sense. So that's what I've kind of noticed, like the really good business people, because I, I mean, I consider a lot of the teacher um, entrepreneurs, they're, they're businesses, and they just have that knack for how do I, you know, build my business and work together to make something bigger. Um, you know, something we've been saying a lot at Hand of Mind is like one plus one equals three, which is a funny thing to say um, as a math company, um, but saying like by working together, you know, a lot of our manipulatives, you know, maybe we shouldn't, but anyways, it's kind of funny. We've been laughing about it, but really it's, it's being able to, to, to work together to do more. Um, and so I think there, I do see that in some organizations, um, you know, I think it's something we need to do more. And I think like the culture of education needs to change to, to do more of that, um, you know, from the top down, from the business side, from the education side, for sure. You know, it's interesting you make that connection because I think that a lot of people don't see education as a business. You know, they enter mm -hmm. it either as an educator or you see people <clears throat> enter it strictly as a business. There has not been that coming together where there's that comfortable medium where both sides meet at the same time. And I think that that's what's needed. And I think social media is kind of forcing a lot of people's hand because as I, as a teacher, I know for me, as I watch and I search other people and I'm looking at what they're doing in their classroom, it exposes me to things that I never would have seen before. So now I'm right. saying, hey, I'm putting pressure on the business people to say, hey, guys, I need you to get this for me. My kids could benefit from this because of this. And, and I think a lot of people, but again, you still have to know what to research and what to look for in order to find those things. But we have to do better at bridging the business part with the education part and making sure that it stays connected. Right. <laughs> and I think social media has leveled that field where it can become this community. Whereas before you were, you know, potentially stuck in your classroom, like you were, it feels siloed and you don't know if you're doing a good job or if what you're doing is innovative or if there's other ways you could be doing it. And so we're just at this really great time in the world where um, you have a community to reach out to and there's a way to, you know, this is where building each other is gonna help um, because you can point to here are the people you need to be following, here are the people you need to keep an eye on because they do good work and it makes it not so hard to figure it out on your own. Mm. So, so kind of on that vein and we were talking about Eric, could you talk a little bit about um, the donation that uh, Hand to Mind made to uh, that school in Panama City Beach that, I mean, Eric, Eric Crouch and, and the people at Teach Your Heart Out and the Right Stuff Chicks really spearheaded helping out that school. Mm -hmm. so talk a little bit about how you got connected with that and, and what you guys were able to do. Yeah, so it's really, um, I, can, I can tell you a whole story about this, back it up. But um, we were working um, as an organization just to, on, so as a culture of hand to mind, there's a lot of teachers. Um, and as a teacher, I don't think anybody ever wants to throw away any learning materials, right? So we had a lot of stuff in our warehouse, you know, so we were trying to get that organized and figure out how do we get this into teachers' hands? You know, it's not stuff that necessarily we can sell anymore, but how do, what do we do with it? And it was a huge list of products. And so um, over the year, I was um, being asked by different organizations, hey, do you want to do donations? And we'd talk about this big list of items, and then it wouldn't go anywhere. Um, 
So then fast forward to um, after the hurricane, we knew we wanted to do something to help, but we're kind of waiting, you know, until they were ready, right? They had to have a plate. We couldn't just send down a truck of stuff to them. We needed to make sure they were ready to take that, but then also send them stuff that they wanted. So we, so it kind of worked from both sides where um, our education consultant down in Florida was talking with some people trying to figure out how do we help you? How do we help you? How do we help you? At the same time, um, Lisa and Eric reached out to me saying, hey, we're going to be doing, going down to Panama City. Will you um, help spread the word on what's going on down there? We're going to do some videos. So it kind of came together from both sides. So then here I am saying, Here's, we're going to share this video. We really should help them. And then, um, you know, we're, we're going back and forth. We're talking with the um, the different people, there are probably like 10 people on our side and probably five people on the district side. And so over, like right up into December, then it came to light, like, oh, we're already kind of working with this person on this. There was like a whole, like it came together where this was all in motion and it was happening mm -hmm. and they were going through this list and they were picking out what they wanted and needed. Um, so then I found out actually on Christmas Eve, that they had kind of gotten the list of items and that, that that was what they were going to do. We were going to deliver it the first or second week of January. So it was actually happening. So that's when it like, it like, it was like magic. It finally came together and I was so excited to share it with Eric and Lisa, right? Stuff to teach your heart out and start spreading the word about that. Um, so then fast forward to, I believe it was the, the Monday, the first Monday after the holidays there um, in January, we, sent down it was a truck full of materials um i think it's about four hundred thousand dollars worth of product that we've already delivered to them um and so there's i think that they're still trying to sort through it and make sure it's getting into the classrooms and 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 it's it's actually district-wide it wasn't just at that school so it went to like a district office and now they're kind of parsing it out to the different schools um but a lot of those classrooms are um you know trailers they're not even back into a school yet right so um it's just really important i think to continue to spread the word that they still need help down there and there's still stuff that we can be doing um and you know part of spreading the word on it is i hope that that's a call to action to others to figure out what could they do there's there's a win-win here mm -hmm. what do you what do you need what do you what, what could help you that could be a win-win to help them as well so it was just um great timing and um, I'm just so happy we could make that happen for them. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. And, and you were saying a little bit, you know, prior to telling that story that, and when you and I talked earlier that you at times really struggle to, you have all these extra resources, but you struggle to, to get them into the hands of teachers and into the hands mm -hmm. of students. Can you explain a little bit about, you know, what the struggle is and, and how you're trying to work with schools and teachers to get kids the resources that you have? Yeah, I think, I mean, um, there's a couple of things. I mean, one, it's just if people don't know what's out there, then they don't know what they can have, right? So it's like being able to say, like, here's how you can help your students and here's another way to teach that concept so just from a business perspective that's really important um, differentiation all that good stuff that we can help with um, from a hands-on learning perspective but then as far as like being able to actually get resources that we're like overstocked on or have extras of um, it's a lot of work I mean if, if a school I mean the work that the that they 
County School District did to figure out what they wanted, how much of everything they wanted, how they were going to take the delivery, how they're going to parse this out. That's it's a ton of work. So I think that's the hard thing too is um, sometimes I think people want help um, and A, they don't know how to ask for it and then B, they don't realize how much work it is to get that help. Um, so finding a partner who's willing to, to put in that effort, it was work on our end, it was work on their end. We got the, um, the freight company to donate the freight services to go down. So, um, so they, you know, so we were able to, to take our materials, you know, we, all the labor of everything, getting it on pallets and getting it ready to ship, you know, was on us. The freight company took it from there and got it down there. And then now it's on, um, the Bay County crew to get it out to the teachers. So it's a, it's a lot of work. And so having a partner that is willing to do that together, I think is, um, is the big piece of it. So what, what you said hand to mind is math products, right? Um, we have math, science, literacy, pretty much anything hands-on learning. And, and how has, and you said hand to mind is a 50 year old company. Mm -hmm. So how, yep. how has, you know, maybe, you know, over the course of those 50 years or maybe, you know, when you've been with them, how have, how have you started to see, especially like you said, in the social media era, how have you started to see changes to the materials and, and to the resources that a company like hand to mind is providing to kids? I mean, cause obviously even just in, like you said, in the last 10 years of the social media area, mm -hmm. era, the way, the way we teach kids has changed dramatically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's kind of, it's interesting, kind of the more things change, the more they stay the same sometimes. So even in this era of digital content and um, digital materials, um, it's been fascinating to watch that hands-on learning is still so important. So, you know, something like Cuisinair rods um, that have been around forever, it feels like, um, or Versatiles, I know, has been around for 40 years. So these hands-on materials that still have life and that kids still find exciting, um, I think that's been kind of a fun transition to watch, too, because there was that point where everybody wanted an app for everything and everybody thought everything would be online and everything was going to be an iPad. And now we kind of have this pendulum swinging where it's being able to work together and have that balance of that hands-on learning with the digital side of things. So, and I love that. I think it's um, needed and there's a big push on like screen free and all, there's also becoming some backlash on that. So, um, you know, knowing there's a place and there's value in all of those, all of those pieces for kids to be learning from, but being able to provide that balance with um, different ways of learning and different ways of being able to visualize you know, math or, or see the science come to life or even being able to like work with words and pieces of speech to be able to figure out how um, that goes together. So um, different ways of thinking, problem solving, you know, all of that. So it, I wouldn't say it changed necessarily what we've been doing per se, but I think mm -hmm. seeing the ecosystem change around us um, has been pretty fascinating because we've you know, always believed in hands-on learning and learning by doing, and then seeing that digital space change around us. Um, it's not a competition. It's more, how do we work together? It's, it's really kind of cool. 
And I think that's how a lot of, I know I'm, a, I'm still a classroom teacher. So um, this is my first year back. So for me, when I left the classroom, it wasn't this big technology push. Well, they were just getting started to try to say, we want to go one-to-one. We want to do this. Mm-hmm. When I got to my school, the first thing I thought was, woohoo, you know, I'm one-to-one at a new school, new campus. We have all this, you know, great stuff. Uh, which basically was supplied by ETA. So I thank you for, for mm-hmm. you know, uh, for that. Uh, but I realized that our kids need that balance. They, they do benefit from screen time because that's their generation. But mm-hmm. we cannot overlook the importance of actual physically manipulating, uh, you know, for example, two color counters when you're teaching integers. It, it yeah. nails home those principles. I have kids now, we, we haven't taught that in almost two months, but I have kids now who are still writing pluses and minuses because they're mimicking the counters in order to get integer problems right. They're mm-hmm. like, oh. like, no, if that's what you need to help get you there, do it. You know, but a lot of right. times, a lot of, some teachers are either pushed toward technology or just old school pencil and paper. And I'm like, you have to, rec- you, you know, <laughs> you have to give kids as many mediums as you have kids almost. Right. Or be open to and as many mediums as you have kids. And that's meeting the, the different kids in your classroom at their mm-hmm. different levels and, and exposing them to different strategies. Like, I love that. I love seeing like the, where you see the kids like moving the beads on the rec and rec with their fingers. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, you know, how they're going to be able to visualize these math problems when they don't have the manipulative. It, it gives them those strategies that they can use further on because they know what that looks like in their head. And I'll be honest, cool. I, I only know what that is because my wife teaches elementary. <laughs> I had never heard of it before. And she came home and she was so excited about teaching kids about the record. <laughs> I was like, what is this? And, Reckon and she, what? Like, right. And so when she showed me, I was like, oh. So then I started looking saying, how did my middle school kids still benefit from still seeing this? Because again, all mm-hmm. I need is something to jar my memory. And to realize, oh, I did learn this already. So let me take learning this out of the equation and let me just apply it. And I think yeah. that's where we have to try to bridge those those vertical gaps that our kids are facing every single year that they move from place to place. And I love that you say that because, A, they can connect back to something that they learned previously with that manipulative. Because I think once you get to middle school, people don't think it's necessary anymore. But it that's you can continue to build on what they learned in elementary, assuming that they learned it there. Um, but also like, I think of like geometry and trig and all that stuff, algebra, like all those things that once I got older, like I always loved math, but that that's when it started to break down. I, I got math, but I didn't really get it. So there's all these crazy manipulatives you can use to teach um, being able to, to show the volume or be able to show the angles or be able to show you know, the, the algebra, I mean, it's, it, I wish I would have had that whenever I was um, younger, because I think it would have changed what I would, was doing, <laughs> for sure. Well, I know, I, I tell my kids, I don't mm-hmm. remember using algebra tiles in school. When I was Mm-mm. in high school, when I took algebra one, I don't remember using algebra tiles. And, you know, no. so I say for me teaching this to you, I'm saying to you, there's a value, because I didn't have this. I had to struggle mm-hmm. with learning this, whereas this, I'm showing you before you learn anything. You're right. playing with before you learn anything. So your brain already sees what's taking place. And the kids, like I say, it, 
it, it is, I believe it's necessary at all levels for kids to see sometimes manipulatives to be able to touch mm -hmm. something. That's what they do with their cell phones when they learn, when they learn, learn how to get a new cell phone or to play a new video game. They don't want, they don't read a book. No one teaches them. They put their hands on it and they, they figure it out. And we have mm -hmm. to give that same freedoms in education for kids to figure it out without, you know, some teachers say, well, it takes too long. They're going to, they, you know, they're not, I say, but if you're pushing and you're driving and facilitating the learning, you determine how long they take. And some kids mm -hmm. like may come on a little later, but you'll still see that constructive struggle that'll make them want to keep going at the struggle and not give up just because everybody else got it and I don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think it gives kids, different kids at different levels, that opportunity to shine. I think that's the mm -hmm. beauty too of that in any of the hands-on learning, STEM, all of that, you know, you see the kids um, that maybe aren't good with the algorithms that can then shine there. And it, it kind mm -hmm. of almost level sets the playing field in your classroom too, to show the different talents that you have in the class. And it's not about who's um, lacking in certain areas. It's who's right. got the, the valuable. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I love it. So, so with that, we were talking a little bit prior to that, you it, it's an intimidating process to try to get materials sometimes for teachers whether it's having mm -hmm. to buy them or or like you said getting through all of the logistics of of doing that so so what advice would you give teachers on you know not just getting stuff from hand to mind but whether it's writing grants or, or things mm -hmm. like that because I know that's something that you work with teachers a lot with too yep yeah, so I think I have so much to say about this. So I think first, um, don't be afraid to ask. <laughs> so there's lots of ways to ask. I think sometimes just um, it's easy to just take the, you know, the cards you've been given and say, this is all I have. So don't be afraid to ask. Cause I'll always hear people saying, oh, I'm going to ask, I want to do this. My principal's going to pay for it. Or I'm going to get a grant from my district for this. So there's definitely things within your school and district if you ask that you can try to find from that perspective. Um, and then laddering up from there, if you don't have the support in your school or district, go to something like Donors Choose. Um, that they are just, they're a great organization, um, period, to work with. From a business perspective, I've really enjoyed it, but just seeing um, the impact it can make on teachers and watching the grants come through. Um, you know, I think the sweet spot there, and I've learned all of this from um, Chloe, a Buckeye teacher. Um, she said the sweet spot's right around a $200 grant. So write little $200 grants and always have them up on donors choose because people are always um, donating money. And then look for, there's a match page on donors choose. So write a grant that meets those match requirements. So then you only have to raise $100 instead of $200 or whatever the case may be. So. Um, have those going and, and put it out there. It, and it might feel like you're always asking, um, but if you don't ask, you're not going to get it. And it's not always going to be your friends and family um, right. donating those things. There's so many donors on there. Um, and I think that's part of building the awareness too, is I want donors choose awareness to go up so that more people are donating there to help the teachers. So it's kind of that win-win of continuing to build that awareness so that there is a place for people to go and help teachers. Um, so Donors Choose is a great resource. And then 
from there, and here's the other thing on donors choose and on writing grants within your own school and district, like you're not the first one to do it. Google research, mm -hmm. find other winning grants, find research on how to write a grant. Um, just, just do it and start trying and um, it'll happen for you. And then lastly, you know, if you need something or if you want to partner with an organization like hand to mind, just don't be afraid to ask. You're probably going to have to ask a lot. Um, and you're probably going to get turned down or you're not going to hear back from people, but eventually there will be this win-win situation or you're going to ask at the right time and they're going to have something for you. So don't be afraid to ask and don't be afraid to know what your value is that you can provide. So, you know, as somebody in business, guess what? We're not in the classroom. So I love it when somebody's like, hey, I can take a bunch of pictures. My, you know, I'm allowed to have pictures with the students or I can take pictures with the kids' hands in it. I can send you that. You can come to my classroom. I can give you student data of results of what happens. Um, I can take video of the kids talking and learning through it. So you have value that you can provide in some way. Know what that is and be able to um, offer that up because, you know, the, we need that, you know, we need that kind of um, content as well that we don't have access to. Like that's one of my favorite things is being able to like actually get into the classroom and see it and um, get that, you know, almost like beta test, right? Of like what mm -hmm. worked and what didn't and how can we make this better and what's more advice we can give teachers to do this better in the classroom. So um, those are probably the, the three big things. Leverage your school and district, leverage something like donors choose or even like a GoFundMe or something. Um, and then the third is um, ask and know your value <laughs> so you can negotiate it. <laughs> and I guess as you know, I, I wouldn't call us teacher entrepreneurs. Wilkie might argue that we're teacher entrepreneurs, but for, you teachers, are, you who are are. <laughs> for teachers who are increasingly building their own business side, whether it's because it's their passion mm -hmm. project or whether it's to make you know, extra money, what advice do you, would you give teachers who want to do that? Or what are you seeing that the most successful teachers on the business side, what are they doing? Um, they are working really hard. <laughs> so I, I will say that like when you see, um, it takes a lot of work. So a lot of the successful people are, you know, working a full, you know, full day or full week as a teacher and then almost doing that again on the side. So it definitely takes work and, and it is a business. I think it's important to think of that it that way. So knowing what you put into it and the time you invest in it is what you'll get back out of it and being smart about the way you spend your time um, to be able to do that. That's really, I mean, it takes the time. And then I think it's, you know, and I think this is hard, but really knowing who you are, it can be talked about as, a personal brand or branding or who your company is, but really knowing who you are, what you want to do and sticking to that and have, you know, I think it's also important to have a plan. So what do you like, how do you want to do this? And maybe that's in the summertime, you figure out what your plan is for the school year, or maybe it's, you know, February and you want to do this the rest of the year, but have a plan of how you're going to actually meet those goals of what you want to do. Because then you know what to say yes and what to say no to because you'll get opportunities. It doesn't mean just because you get an opportunity doesn't mean you should do it. So being able to be smart about what you decide to do. I don't know if that makes sense, but mm -hmm. um, focus, 
right? And then um, focus on a plan and do the work. Mm, that is key. And I think it's funny because <laughs> as educators, <clears throat> I'm at a brand new school, so there's no sense of team camaraderie yet. We're building it. Mm -hmm. uh, we all came in from different, you know, different schools, different backgrounds uh, to create this new, new culture. And it's interesting that even as I <clears throat> share things like donors choose with teachers saying, hey, look, there are amazing PD opportunities out here where you can travel and you can go visit different schools that a lot of teachers don't know about those things. And I think mm -hmm. it goes back to yeah, it's silo, crazy. It's that silo mindset that you that you know teachers feel like we have to stay within our four walls, and yeah. as long as <clears throat> as long as I'm good here, I don't have to worry about anything else. And and like I say, mm -hmm. it just amazes me that even when you give them the information, a lot of them feel like I don't have the time or it just won't happen for me. You know, so then I have to go into my bag of tricks and share stories like, hey, look, I got a guy in Atlanta who who literally bumped into somebody outside of the store who funded them and gave them this. You know, or I share my story of buying batteries and earbuds for my students at, at, at a local store here in Houston and a guy behind me saying, hey, you're, you're buying a lot of earbuds. I'm like, yeah, I'm a teacher. I don't want my kids to go without. Aww. He says, hey, can I buy them for them? You know, uh, so I, I, started sharing, I started sharing those stories so that people can see all you have to do, my mom used to say all the time, a closed mouth never gets fed. And so we, <laughs> come on, God, you, you know, I had to throw in one, one, one. Uh, that's one of my favorite ones. There's like <laughs> seven or eight of them, but that's one of my favorite ones. <clears throat> but she would always say that. And I think as teachers, we have to just start realizing that if we open our mouth and begin to ask questions, to begin to, to uh, ask and seek people out who are doing things and say, hey, look, is there anything we can do? Is there anything you can do for us? And, you know, I tell people all the time, my kids know, my room is a revolving door. I have people in and out of my room from different colleges, different universities. Come sit in my room. Come walk through my room. Come see what I do. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I, I'm an open book because I want to get better at what I do. And you may see something different. And I tell people, our students are our best customers and they're be our best critics. So if you're doing mm -hmm. something wrong, you give them, I, every activity that's new, I ask my students afterwards, let's debrief. Talk to me about it. What was good? What was bad? What did you like? What didn't you like? What can we add different? Can we? And the kids will just, I mean, you'll be amazed at the information that you get if you just ask the question. Yeah. Just ask the question. Yep. And I love, I think that too, those are a couple of points too, where it's whether you're trying to build a business or trying to build your personal brand or whatever, or you're in the classroom, like build your tribe. Like you need people around you to help you, you know, I don't know, process information and be able to have context of, am I doing okay? And then the other thing I heard there was like, you don't even realize what you're awesome at sometimes. <laughs> so knowing like really being able to be able to um, own that and be able to bring that forward, I think, um, helps in having a tribe because then you can be able to have those conversations and be like, wow, I'm really good at this. This is how I can continue to help people and be unique um, and knowing that unique piece that you bring to um, to the market, I guess, or to your teaching or whatever the case may be. I think those are two great things that I just heard you say that are also really important. And I think um, really what the successful 
you know, teacher entrepreneurs are doing is kind of owning that and, and um, doing as much as they can to advocate for that. Mm-hmm. And even too, Will, just in what, in what she said and what you were saying, you know, we've been, Wilkie's running a, a new program that he, well, we created called the Music and Arts Collective. It's one of his after school cool. programs where kids are, you know, basically doing everything in the arts from actual like painting and drawing to music production to photography. And we've been mm-hmm. wanting to get them some new equipment. And I'm sitting here saying like, if we, we could easily on donor shoes get right in that $200 sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, I think, it's, I, I think there's a match going on right now too. I think I saw one last week. You oh, should look. Okay. But. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it's just, it's just, and we had talked about it and we're both people who have used donors shoes mm-hmm. and it never even came across our, our mm-hmm. space to remember that we could do that. And, and that's the yeah. thing too, like with what you said, you know, unique from, you know, we have friends that we met, you know, through teacher heart out that are just constantly like have a donor's shoes for art supplies. Cause they're art teachers, mm-hmm. you know, and I mean, they're yeah. I, yeah, I, our I, professional development. Um, I've seen like sports equipment, um, musical instruments. Like, I mean, it's pretty much, I think everything is on donors choose different paths you can take on um, field trips, like experiences mm-hmm. for your kids. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, yeah, when you take a step back and think, really think about it, there's there's ways to do this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, Will, you got any any questions, any thoughts to wrap up with so we can uh, all get about our, our Super Bowl Sunday, even though the Packers <laughs> aren't playing? I'm still going to watch it. Nor uh, the yeah, Texans. None of my teams. I know. Um, so what? I guess I'm going to ask a question back to you guys. What do you need from – businesses and education to make a difference in what you're doing and what do you how do you think we can do a better job we the collective business community of education <laughs> it's a tough one well i mean I, I think we've thought about this a lot and one of the things we're trying to do is partner with as many businesses so that when we go out because we go out and speak a lot and so when we're mm-hmm. going out to be able to offer things to teachers and say, hey, look, you know, just for coming over and having a conversation with us and engaging us with a conversation, here's something to take back as a gift to your classroom, or here's something that you can do. Or I know like for me, I still work with new teachers at my campus. So to maybe say, hey, look guys, this is what we're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, I know next month I start doing a PD series on relationships for teachers and I have one this 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 month on mathematics, dealing with GT Math, GT and Accelerated. Um, so it's like I guess our biggest goal is to try to partner with people, to just say, hey, look, these are the people that we're affiliated with. This is what we're trying to do, because we're continuously trying to bring value to the space. And I think that that is our like, you know, some people say, oh, you know, you you need money. I don't think it's so much money as it is the connections and the, to be able to mm-hmm. put with people in a space where other people can benefit from that. So I don't, I mean, I can yeah. say, I know that's kind of broad and kind of, <laughs> kind of general, but I think, I think that's kind of where we're, we're looking to just be able to be able to offer uh, new t- uh, teachers something different in the space that can help add to value to their classroom. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I, and I would agree. I mean, and I would say the same thing, especially too, for our podcast, you know, cause we, we grew from 250 downloads our first year to almost 40,000 last year. And we're continuing to grow, but we would love to be, you know, to partner with people for our podcast to just say, Hey, this is, this is a company that we believe in that we, we know these people. Cause I, I think there are times where teachers and I know I have been, you, you're very, you can be very skeptical of the business side. So, you know, whatever we could do also to, to bridge that gap, to help teachers realize that the people on the business side of education for the most part are really in it because they believe in education and they, they want to do what's right for kids. And I, and I think that's something that we would also want to be a part of too, is to be able to just say, Hey, like, this is what's out there for you. I mean, cause you know, the, the, it, and it comes back to two, like it, it was the, the one-to-one relationship that you had, you know, with the people at Bay County and the, the relationship you had with Lisa and you had with Eric that really, you know, facilitated bringing that big donation together. So, you know, I mean, for, for us, you know, as the two of us with what we do, like anything we can do to help teachers know, you know, what resources are out there and, and, and just from a perspective from the two of us, like any advice you could give connecting us with, you know, conferences or places where we could go and, and, and get face to face with teachers, that would be huge too. Cause there is so much out there and it's, it's, it's hard to sift through all the information that's out there. So as much as we could be a part of condensing it down. So teachers, so a teacher can say, Hey, this is what I need. And, and you, even if, you know, like for me, if, if Wilkie had a teacher ask him, Hey, I need this. I feel like we could very easily reach out to you and say, Hey, this is what we're looking for. And even if you didn't have it, you could point us in, in the right direction of who would. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's, the relationships and the connections. And um, I think it's really important. And I think to your point, knowing that a lot of the education businesses, and I know hand to mind is that way where, I mean, a ton of our staff are former teachers, or I think we did a survey where it was either had, do you have a teaching degree? Had you taught? Or do you have like a first degree relative, aka like a parent or a child that teaches? And it was like something like 80% of our organization was that close to teaching, right? So knowing that these companies do care because they're um, typically, you know, either from education or there's a big part of people developing the products from education. So um, it's probably more kindred spirits than you even know. <laughs> mm. Right. All right. Will, anything to wrap it up before we? Uh, no, I don't have any other questions right now. Awesome. Well, um, thank you. Yeah, thank we you. appreciate you. So for people that want to connect with you or connect with hand to mind, what's the easiest ways for them to do that? So our social media profiles are all at ETA hand to mind. Um, and then, you know, we have a web form on our website um, that if you have requests or you're looking for donations or need anything, you can go through that process and that will get to us as well. Um, and then I am at Brandy Hines um, on social media. So you can always reach out to me if you need advice, but definitely wanting, you know, just to keep the conversation going and always happy to make connections. So thank you so much for having us on here. Um, 
this has been fun. It's my first podcast. Very cool. Well, we, we appreciate uh, we appreciate getting to talk to you, and I think we're going to run into you at one of these Teach Your Heart Outs coming up. I think you said so. I'm hoping. I'm hoping Atlanta, right? Atlanta yeah. in the end of March. March. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, if you're that's, if you're out there, yep. If you're well, out there, we'll be out there. So. <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank you again for coming on the podcast. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you.